Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Today we have an opportunity to think about family. We have considered how to be a mother like Hannah was. And tonight we consider how to be a child like Samuel was. Samuel could not have been the child that he was were it not for Hannah, his mother. Good families help to make great children. But it doesn't always have to be that way. There are children who rise above their families, rise above their training. You don't have to be stuck in life just because your father or your mother were not the people they should be. It's not an excuse. There may be some things you have to deal with, certainly, but it's not an excuse. And so tonight we have the advantage of learning about a young man who was, in fact, the person God wanted him to be. He just had the advantage of a good family. And so anyone can be a child like Samuel. The illustration or the image of a child is an image that God uses intentionally in order to describe the relationship that He wants to have with us. In Romans 8 and verse 16, Paul wrote these words, and His Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. We could spend a lot of time discussing the image of a child and how that image relates to the family relationship that we enjoy in God. Suffice it to say that God wants us to be under Him, to be guided by Him, directed by Him, and therefore the child image fits well. The text before us we will notice in a few moments. You can be turning to 1 Samuel chapter 2 and chapter 3. We will be there for the most part. We're going to notice in just a little bit the contrasting nature of the text. I want you to notice that there in this motif, this, this image of being a child, John wrote in 1 John chapter 3 and, and verse 10, he said, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. That's obvious, he says. Manifest. He who does not do righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So in the first place, God has described the relationship He wants to have with us through the image of a child. But that also is the same image that applies to the relationship that one can have with the devil. Because the concept of a child is the idea of being trained, guided, taught, and helped by someone. And if a, a person chooses to be guided by the things of the devil, he's a child of the devil. In the same way, that choosing to let God do the guiding makes one a child of God. 
This morning I, I gave you three words to remember about being a mother like Hannah. If I give you just a moment, can you remember those three words? Now, there are a few people gathered here just for different reasons, and I'm seeing if any of them are mouthing the words. Ah, somebody has them written down. That's a smart thing to do. Here are the three words. Consistent, insistent, persistent. If you want to be a mother like Hannah, that's exactly what you need to be. And that describes godly mothers. Tonight, I want to give you two words in order to be a child like Samuel. Here are the words, minister and grow. Turn, if you will, to the text before us in 1 Samuel. And we begin noticing how these words are used. As we walk through the text tonight, I want you to notice, and, and I think it's always good from time to time to remind us how to study Scripture, how to notice what is happening in the text. And when you see something used in, uh, in some kind of order, in, in some kind of an intentional appearance, I think you have to think that God thought this was pretty important. And so these words, this minister and grow, form what I want to consider to be the paragraph sections of the life of Samuel. We begin in verse 11 of chapter 2. The reading said at the end of chapter 1 that Hannah lent Samuel to the Lord. And by remember, uh, the word means she begged the Lord to take him after she had begged the Lord to give him to her. She offered this prayer at the beginning of chapter 2. And then we go to verse 11 and we find, Now Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. Here's the first use of that word, minister. In the first place, I want you to notice that a child like Samuel is a minister. A child like Samuel is this person. Notice he was left there by his family. They had prayed to have him, and when it came time for him, as she said, she lent him to the Lord, they left him there, and he had a responsibility now that he had been trained for. He was left in the care of Eli the priest to serve full-time his God. He was fulfilling his responsibility this pretty well summarizes what we could say about being a child like Samuel. You fulfill the responsibility placed in front of you. It would not, it would be impossible not to notice that what is going on here is a concentration on a child. And we don't know how old Samuel was at this time. We don't know the exact 
lineage, or the exact time frame from the time he was born until he was here or from the time that she brought him to Eli. It is probably good to think that he was five or six years old, seven maybe, when she brought him finally to the temple. And the word for a child in the, in the, in the Hebrew culture or boy uh, was something that was used even up as much as 15. So somewhere between maybe 5 and 15, we have this child, this boy. And yet the things that God is saying are applying to this child. So in the first place, to all of our children, you have a responsibility that God wants you to fulfill. And God expects you to live in a certain way. You can't just say, well, I'm a child, and therefore nothing's expected of me, and it doesn't really matter what I do. Oh, no. God has a responsibility for you. And certainly all of us who are older are children of God. And we, as His children, have a responsibility this responsibility was given to him. He was prepared for it by his family. His family helped him get ready to fulfill his responsibility. We are fortunate if we have parents who have helped us get to that point where we can fulfill the responsibility that God has for us. We must understand whether young or older, all children of God are preparing constantly to be and fulfill the, what God wants us to be. He was, let, he was prepared for that, and then they left him and let him carry out his responsibility. He carried it out. Sometimes parents get in the way. Sometimes parents overshadow their children and don't give them enough room to develop and mature and grow. Sometimes parents want to keep children as best they can close to them all of the time. There comes a point at which every parent has to let a child go and to be on his own, to be on her own, to succeed, to fail, to fall, to get up. I was reading just the other day of some parents who couldn't do that. And I was reading about a mother who, as her child was learning to walk, put knee pads on that child. Well, I understand the point, but wait a minute. Number one, if he falls, he ain't got far to go. I mean, he's right there. His knees are barely off the floor anyway. And it would do a good job of being able to teach him. We cannot smother our children at a certain age. They have to learn how to fail. They have to learn how to succeed given the preparation we've given them. That's what his parents did. And therefore he could be the child he grew to be because they let him do so. Notice how the text reads, he ministered, he fulfilled his responsibility to the Lord. To the Lord. That's the thing that he chose to do. He made a decision. His life was dedicated to the Lord. But it is also important that he says, before Eli the priest, Samuel fulfilled his responsibility to the Lord 
and before others. And that describes the child of God. Tonight, we are people who have a responsibility to serve the Lord. Let others see us serve the Lord, doing that faithfully. So the first time we see this word, we see it as a summary of what is going to follow. After they left him there, the text says, he ministered to the Lord before Eli. And that was his life. Now in the second place, we begin to see now the four other occurrences of these words, minister and serve. And I want to suggest to you that the next four times these words are used, they are a contrast. There is a contrast taking place between what he talks about and then what he says about Samuel. Notice, if you will, verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. But Samuel ministered. That word says, oh, there's something going on before, isn't there? The sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were not good men. They were not serving as priests the way they should. Here is what was going on. If you read the text, you can have that text from verse 12 through 17 yourself, but I will summarize it quickly this way. When the people came to offer their sacrifices, uh, these two sons of Eli abused the sacrifice. There were three types of offering that the people would bring. If they brought a burnt offering, the whole offering belonged to the Lord, and therefore the fire was consuming the sacrifice as though it were going up to the Lord. If they brought a sin offering, the sin offering was cooked and given to the priest for them to eat. And if they brought a peace offering, which appears to be what this one was, that offering was divided among three beings. First, part of it went to the Lord because it would be cooked and the fat would be burned off. That fat part was the Lord's. In the process of the cooking, the food or the, the meal itself, the part of it that they were now taking, the breast and... Um, the thigh belonged to the priest. And so they would cut it off and they would give it to the priest. That was the priest's portion of the peace sacrifice. Then the rest of it would be cooked. And now the person who brought it would take what was cooked and make a meal for himself and his family. This is how God said things should be. In this case, the priests violated it. Not only did they take the part given to them, the breast and the thigh. He came in, they came in with a three-prong hook while the other was seething. It was being cooked in oil or water. And they would take that hook down 
And whatever it pulled out, in addition to what was given to them, they stole from the owner. And we know from later in the text, Eli didn't stop them. He didn't stand up. He didn't say, you got to stop. After all of that, the text says, but Samuel ministered to the Lord. Because a child of God serves obediently. A child of God doesn't change the rules to fit himself. A child of God does not say, well, this is how I want it to be, and therefore this is what I'm going to do. A child of God is willing to say, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I will do. Here's the contrast between the child of the devil who changes the rules to do what he wants and the child of God who serves obediently. Go again to the next passage. Continue reading, if you will, and notice what's going on in the text. Every year, verses 18 through 21, Samuel's mother, Hannah, came and brought him a, a new coat every year. Makes sense. He would grow and he would need another coat. And so he, she did. She brought it to him. Eli was a very old man. He knew that Israel knew that his sons were not doing right. He would even say to his sons, verse 23, Why do you do such things? I hear of your evil doings from or dealings from the people. No, my sons, it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. Eli knew what was going on, but he did not, was not able to or whatever, to stop it. He wasn't able to see them do what they ought to do. I don't know if it was because he was now so old that he just didn't have any control or he had lost it. But apparently, the way I read it later, he had, done, he had not prepared them early on so that when things were older, this was the new habit that they had. But look at verse 26. And the child Samuel grew in stature, and in favor both with the Lord and men. Number two, a child of God lives fully. The sons of Eli lived so selfishly that all of life was about them. And whatever they could do, in fact, they were not even concerned about everybody else. They led others off into sin by the lives that they lived. But not a child of God. I'm sure you recognize that verse, don't you? It also occurs in Luke 2 and 52 about Jesus. He increased in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and men. In this text, three of those are right here about Samuel. The text says he grew in stature and in favor with both the Lord and with men. He grew physically. He grew spiritually. He grew socially. Because he knew how to live fully. A full life involves our physical lives, our spiritual lives, and our social lives. 
That's a full way to live. While these sons drew people off into sin, a child of God pulls people out of sin. While the sons of Eli were unconcerned what happened to those people, a child of God is concerned every day about those in need for whatever reason they have need, whether it's spiritual or physical. Because a child of God knows how to live fully. Number three, the rest of this text in chapter 2, a man of God came to Eli, and basically what he said was this, it's over. I've put up with this long enough. And because you didn't stand up, because you didn't stop it, and because your sons are who they are, God punished the house of Eli. In fact, what he said was this, in your lineage, no more will there be an old man. Every man in your lineage, in your lineage is going to die young. I've often heard people speak about, well, my father died when he was in his 60s. His father died in his 50s. There's not much hope for me. This is true right here. And God promised Eli, because of your sin, the males in your generations are not going to see old age. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy, Samuel, ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. A child of God waits patiently. God decided, that's it, I've had enough. And I'm going to punish you. But just as those sons had drawn people off into sin, God now apparently withdrew His presence from the people. And there was no word from the Lord. But Samuel continued to serve patiently. He was waiting. I don't know how long it was that God wasn't speaking. I don't know how long it was that God held off before He began to reveal things. I know this if you look at verse 7 of chapter 3. The text says Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. This is, of course, the story of how he came to be the mouthpiece of God. But until that point, he served the Lord. I don't know if he was serving the Lord and, and he was waiting and, and Eli wasn't giving him any messages from the Lord. Maybe God cut himself off fully for a period of time. I don't know. Sort of reminds me of what I think was going on with Job. I think Job was so upset at what was happening because God had quit talking to him. When God let the devil have control of Job, 
God, I think, backed away and did not have that relationship as a patriarch leader would have had with God. And therefore, Job had a lot of questions that he wanted to have answered. Just let me hear from the Lord. The Lord backed away for a time. Don't know how long. But in this case, Samuel waited patiently until the Lord would reveal again. Number four. And finally, look at what happens in this story. It's the part of the story probably that you know the best. During this time when the Lord was not speaking, Samuel sleeping in the temple, God called out to him. And he ran to Eli and said, Eli, what do you want? You called me. I didn't call you. Go lie down. And he went back to bed, Samuel, Samuel. And he got up and he ran to Eli and he said, you called me. What do you want? I didn't call you. The third time he went back to bed and he heard, Samuel, Samuel. And he went to Eli, what do you want? Now Eli has figured it out. He's figured out what's going on. He's figured out that God is talking again. Samuel, this time when you hear him, here's what you say. Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. I think it's interesting in this text that when God came the next time, verse 10, notice what it says. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, in a very real way, the Lord was making his presence obvious to Samuel. Three times in a voice. Fourth time, a presence and a voice. Samuel heard from the Lord because he spoke exactly what Eli said to say. And the Lord very clearly laid out for Samuel everything that was going to happen. Now, this was not going to be news to Eli because God had already told him. We read that at the end of chapter 2. Eli already knew what was happening, but now Samuel knows. But Samuel was fearful. He didn't want to tell Eli what he had heard. Why would he want to tell him that? That's not good news. He had no idea that Eli already knew it. But Eli said, no, you tell me everything. Don't you leave out a word. And Samuel told him everything. Look at verse 19. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. Samuel, a good child of God. He gives us an example that a child of God speaks properly. Speaks what God wants. Speaks what God says. A child of God speaks intentionally for God. Samuel now became God's mouthpiece. 
Samuel now became the judge of God's people for the rest of the time, the last judge of God's people until they ask for a king. Samuel was an intentional servant of the Lord. And because he spoke intentionally for the Lord, this phrase is interesting. None of his words fell to the ground. Here's what that phrase means. Imagine a person shooting an arrow. The arrow is released and it hits a target unless it falls short. Because Samuel was speaking for the Lord. Once he spoke, once he put himself in possession of the Lord to be used by him, the Lord made sure that his arrow didn't hit the ground short of its target. When Samuel decided to be the Lord's servant, the Lord used him. And as long as he was intentional with the Lord, his arrow never fell short. For the Lord guided it all the way to the target. That's what it means to be a child like Samuel. From the day that he was taught by his mother until the day that he died serving the Lord, he ministered and grew. If you want to be a child like Samuel, you need to minister and grow. Interesting thing about that concept. When you minister, you grow. When you grow, you find more ways to minister. And so you grow. And then you find more ways and better ways to minister. And therefore you grow. An entire life is summarized by the phrase, minister and grow. I hope that we all will decide to be a child like Samuel. We begin by letting the Lord teach us. If you have been taught forever how long about what the Lord expects and you still have not decided to accept it. If you still have not allowed yourself to say, okay, I'm going to be the Lord's servant. I'm going to be immersed into him. Sins removed, and now I can begin serving Him. I'm going to be a child of God. Maybe you chose to be a child of God, but then you went by the wayside. You can choose again. Brethren, there are only two options. Child of God, child of the devil. I know which one you want to be. Which one are you now, and which one are you going to be? If we can help you in that journey to find your way with the Lord, we're here 
ready to serve again. We thank you for joining us. May God bless our world. May God bless our church. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.